Amen. Thank you, team. Thank you, kids, for leading us. Well done. Uh, great to see you all. It's so good to be together uh, as Family Worship Sunday. So let me just, I'm going to ask you to give one another just two brief messages for me. So um, would you look at the person beside you and would you say, hey, it's Family Worship Sunday. And then the second message is, so wake up. Say that. All right. This is going to be fun. So you can't be half asleep. So you can't be half asleep. You got to be here with us. <laughs> the, the teens were fine. The adults were like, yeah, right. I'm done. So yeah, anyway. Uh, so it's great to be together. We are uh, walking through this practice series on generosity, and there used to be a practice guide here somewhere. Well, anyway, out there, there's a practice guide uh, out in the lobby, and if you haven't grabbed one yet, let me encourage you to do that, because our, our desire with these practice series is not that you would get this done in four weeks. If you came in as a non-generous person, you're not going, hey, look at that. Thank you. You're so good. Oh, that's great. That's perfect. All right, so it looks like this. If you came in as a non-generous person four weeks ago, you're not going to come out in four weeks as a generous person. It takes time. There's a process that we need to walk through. Uh, So I want to encourage you to grab one of those even as we wrap up this series next week. Uh, the, The practices will take some time to work their way through, and you should take time to do that. I want to encourage you to do that. Our, our goal is not that we would be outwardly generous, but as we said a couple weeks ago, that we would naturally and easily respond like Jesus does in the circumstances around us. Jesus is generous to us. He loves us. And because of his generous love for us, we should be naturally and easily loving others. And um, I, that, that, I don't know about you, But that idea of easily doing that doesn't always come out for me. And that's that process of training and developing. And that's where the practices come in. So I want to encourage you to grab those and continue to work through them. Two weeks ago, we kicked off this series with the idea of uh, beholding the glory of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, that as we behold the glory of God, we're changed. We're transformed to be more like him. What we behold, we will ultimately reflect. And so that, uh, that concept of change. And then last week, Elise did an incredible job talking us through being generous with our finances and what it looks like to uh, be intentional in the way that we uh, use what we've been given, the resources we've been given. Uh, I know there were some uh, some great uh, insights for me in the way that Elise taught, and uh, hopefully it was helpful to you as well. And so, so for some of you, you're saying, okay, I suffered through the, the finance talk of the generosity series, so we should be able to be done now, right? Like I held onto my seat last week, I gritted my teeth, I made it through, can't we just move on? Well, see, here's the thing. Generosity actually only has a very little bit to do with our finances. It has a whole lot more to do with our heart. And our heart is based on how we see God. And so what we want to look at today is whether we see God the Father as an abundant giver who has everything that we need, or we see the world that God has created as a place of scarcity, where we have to hoard and we have to uh, hold, th- hold on to things tightly. And so we're going to introduce that concept with a video from the Bible Project. Uh, the Bible Project is, uh, does, has excellent video and uh, audio resources for, uh, for growing in your knowledge of the scriptures. Uh, and this is a really excellent overview of this topic, so we'd give your attention to the video screen. Imagine your friend invites you to a party. You arrive and there's lots of people, decorations, food and drink. There's enough for everyone. 
When you're hosted by someone that generous, you don't have to worry about your needs. You can just enjoy yourself and focus on the people around you. Yeah, that's what a good host wants for her guests. And this is the picture of the world that we find in the Bible. Creation is an expression of God's generous love. He's the host and humans are his guests in a world of opportunity and abundance. And we're called to keep the party going, to spread his goodness. This is a beautiful picture, but it's not the way people experience the world. Rather, we find a world of scarcity and struggle, not abundance. And Jesus grew up in that kind of world. Under military occupation, people losing their land or families to debt and poverty. And yet, he would say things like this. Look at the birds. They don't store up food for themselves, yet they have enough. Or consider the wildflowers. They're beautiful and abundant, and they don't stress about their existence. And you all should live that way, too. But surely Jesus knew that things don't always work out. I mean, sometimes there really isn't enough. And Jesus did experience poverty firsthand, but he viewed the world through the story of the Hebrew scriptures, which claimed that our scarcity problem isn't caused by a lack of resources. Rather, the problem is our mindset that God can't be trusted. Maybe God's holding out on me. Maybe there isn't enough, and maybe I need to take matters into my own hands. And once we're deceived into that mindset of scarcity, we can justify the impulse to take care of me and mine before anyone else. And that leads to envy and anger, violence, and a world where it seems like there's not enough. The party's over. It's turned into a battleground. But God wants humans to experience his generosity. And so he chooses one people, the family of Abraham. And he promises to give them the abundance that he wants for everybody else. God will provide what they need. All they have to do is trust his generosity. And through them, the whole world will see how generous the host really is. But that's not what happens. Abraham's descendants, the Israelites, enter a land of abundance and they promptly forget the host who gave it to them. They act like it's all theirs and like there's not enough. And it leads to war and Israel's self-destruction. If I were the host of this party, I think I'd just give up. But God doesn't give up. What he does is surprising. He gives another gift. Another gift? Yeah, but this gift is different. What God gives is himself. All right, and Jesus, the host himself, comes to join in on the spoiled party. And notice, Jesus lives with the conviction that there is enough and that our generous host can be trusted. His mindset of abundance allowed him to live sacrificially and generously, even towards his enemies. And Jesus called his followers to trust in God's abundance like him. And that's why he said things like, sell your possessions and give to the poor, or don't worry about your life. He's inviting us to live by a different story, one that is built on trust in God's goodness and love. But living generously, doesn't mean life is going to go well. I mean, look at Jesus. He was betrayed by his friends and he suffered. And this was no surprise to Jesus. He knew that people would take advantage of his generosity. In fact, that was his plan. Really? Yeah, think about it. Jesus knows that we're all hopelessly deceived by this lie that there's not enough. Yeah, that lie needs to be defeated. And so that's what Jesus was doing when he gave us the gift of his life. Jesus' death was the ultimate expression of God's generous love. Yeah, God's love can turn death into life and scarcity back into abundance. Or as the Apostle Paul put it, you know the gift of our Lord Jesus the Messiah, that even though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, 
might become rich. And Jesus called his followers to live like the real party has begun. Yes, he called it the kingdom of God. And our invitation to this party is yet another gift, the personal presence of God's own spirit that can teach us how to trust the generosity of the host just like Jesus did. Yeah, and when you believe there's enough, you start seeing opportunities for generosity everywhere with our time and money, our attention. Yes, one of the most important ways that we can experience the abundance of God's new creation is sharing with others because of our trust that God is the generous host. Amen. You want to pray with me? Jesus, as we look at your word now and through this morning, I pray that you would uh, guide our hearts for my words and Asa's words. I pray that you would empower us by your spirit. God, would you uh, speak in clear ways would uh, our words that come from our strength fall to the ground and be forgotten, but your words remain, that you would change us, that we would be more like you. And so do this work in us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I have a question for you. Uh, Anybody know what this thing is? A lollipop. That was that's nice. In the earlier service, they they were calling me a dum dum. I don't know what's going on with that, but yeah, a lollipop. We're gonna go with that. Yeah, this is a lollipop. So so I need somebody uh, somebody young. I'm gonna say somebody under ten. I, I need somebody to tell me where in this church you might find one of those. Yeah, where, where might you find one of those? In my office. That's correct. So see, there's this thing. Some of you adults aren't aware of this, but there's a magic basket in my office. And it's magic because um, it always seems to have more lollipops in it. And every week, there seems to be more and more lollipops that show up. And, and uh, so much so that, um, that over the course of time, I was noticing that the lollipops were disappearing very quickly. We have a lot of children here at York Alliance. And so the lollipops were disappearing quickly. But they were disappearing even more quickly than the number of children that we have at York Alliance. Like there were... <laughs> There was a lot of disappearance happening, right? It was like I'd have this big bag, I'd empty it out, and then in a couple weeks they'd all be gone. It was shocking to me. And so, um, so I, I put a little uh, handwritten sign in there. I'm, I'm gonna do, who, are you a pretty good reader? You, you, you want to read for me here? We're going to read what that sign says. Please just take one so that there will be enough for all. Wow, very nice. Good job. So, so what happened is with that little handwritten sign, I introduced the concept of scarcity into something that seemed to be abundant, right? Like, it seemed as though there was an infinite number of lollipops. Like, they just kept showing up. And so, therefore, I can take 15. It doesn't matter because there's so many of them. They just keep coming back. What, what's remarkable is six weeks ago, I emptied a big bag of lollipops in. I wrote that sign, and I put it in there. Uh, typically gone in three weeks. Six weeks later, it's still a third full. See, when scarcity is introduced, um, now if that was adults, you all would have ignored the sign, but children are like much, much better at that. So well done, children. You've done a great job. And, uh, and now with the, with the introduction of the concept of scarcity, we're saying, okay, I, I, should, I should partake of the lollipop in a way that would share with other people because there's scarce resources and not everybody can have everything that they want all the time. Scarcity is an important concept in some areas of life. There are scarce things. For instance, there are only a few Ferraris in the world. That's why I don't have a Ferrari. 
and I don't fit in it. That's a whole other thing for another day. Uh, so uh, I, I don't have a Ferrari because it's scarce. I don't have a, a Mickey Mantle rookie baseball card, and neither do you. And if you do, you should sell it and tithe on the proceeds because yeah, that would be really helpful, right? So there are certain things that are scarce. Like kids know, one of the things you learn early on is that there's, there's a scarce amount, a limited amount of candy and ice cream and money to go to Hershey Park, right? Like you learn early on, you can't just do that all the time. There's, there's scarcity in some of those areas. And that's and good for us to, uh, if you want to use the idea of a, a pair of glasses, to have the lens at times that there's scarce resources. But there's another way of looking at the world, a different set of lenses, that sees the world through the lens of abundance. And God has created the world in such a way that his stuff is abundant. That the, the things that he gives to us he gives to us in abundance, and we don't have to hoard them. For instance, you, you don't have to hold on to love in the hopes that you can have enough to be able to share with a few of the most important people in your life. You don't have to hold your love and only use it in ways that might get what you want out of people. You can be abundant with your love because God has given us abundant love. There, there's abundant joy you don't have to hoard joy and, and dole it out just at the right time. You, you can have joy that just comes out of everything. Like it's, it's full and, and you're able to allow joy just to flow from you. Hope isn't something that you have to hold on to and, and, um, and only use at the appropriate times. When we start to see the things that God gives to us through the lens of abundance, we start to see a different way of living. John says in his gospel, in uh, John chapter 1, that out of his abundance or out of his, uh, his treasure, Jesus has given us grace upon grace. It just keeps coming. Whatever grace you need right now, that, that's, that's plenty and there's more where that came from. Like there, there's always more. There's grace upon grace. James chapter 4, in the midst of a fascinating uh, argument that James, the brother of Jesus, is talking about our sinfulness and the way our sinfulness runs away from us, James says he keeps on giving more grace. Like even in the midst of your sin, even in the midst of your brokenness, he keeps on giving more grace. That freedom of flow, that abundance, that's how we need to see God. I have a pastor friend in the York area who sent me a text this morning, and he was uh, quoting a pastor named Tyler Staten, but he, sent, he just sent me the quote that said, uh, in God, there is always more grace than there is sin in you. There's always more grace in God than there is sin in you. How about that? Like, whatever it is that you need, whatever brokenness that you bring to the table, there's always more grace than that. When we start to view God through a lens of abundance, we no longer have to hold back. Either holding back because we have some, we don't want to give it away, or more so for many of us, we're afraid to come forward. We're afraid to come to God because we're not sure there's enough for us. The, the beauty of the gospel is wherever you've come from, whatever your story is, whatever offense you're holding on to, whatever your past history is, 
it's not too much. He has more than enough. There's grace upon grace. However broken you come, he's not afraid. He's not backing away. He's coming towards you. There's more than enough. However many doubts you have as you come to God, he's not pushed away by your doubt. There's more than enough of him. He's inviting you in. Well, good morning, church. Good morning. My name is Asa, and I'm sure, I know Brian says, if I've not had a chance to meet with you, and that might be one or two people, but for me, that's about 80% of you. Um, uh, so uh, my wife and kids are here today with us. We've lived in York for about 14 hours now, so we're getting there. Uh, love that. Uh, so I want to say just a quick, another note of thanks uh, just for the warm welcome and the generosity of this body of believers. And we're so happy to be a part of this uh, family of faith uh, it's just, uh, it's been incredible. So from the bottom of our hearts, again, thank you, uh, church. And I look forward, to, look forward to getting to meet all of you. Uh, so we are going to be uh, having God's word read, but it's not going to be the usual uh, sort of format where it's someone gets up and reads it. We actually have a very special way of doing it uh, today for Family Worship Sunday. It's a reader theater style. So I'll turn it over to the crew. For the kingdom of heaven will be like a man going on a journey, such as I did, who called my servants and entrusted to them my property. To the one I gave five of my precious, very valuable dum-dums. Isaac, come. To another, two of my precious, very valuable dum-dums. Miriam? You. And to another, Eden, come. One of my precious, very valuable dum-dums. To each, according to their ability. Then I went away on a long trip. I, who had received five dum-dums, went at once and traded and invested them. And made five dum-dums more. That makes ten total, in case you're a math dum-dum. <laughs> so also, I, who had received... Two dum-dums made two dum-dums more. I am polite and educated poet. Thus I will not insult you as did Isaac before. You know that makes four, so why make you sore? But I who have received 
the one very valuable, very precious dum-dum, when and... And dug in the ground and hit my master's dum 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 dum. Really, why should I take a chance with just one dum dum? No matter how precious it was. Now, after a long time, I, the master of those servants, came and settled accounts with them. And I, who had received five dum dums, came forward, bringing five dum dums more, saying, "Master, you delivered me." You delivered to me five dum-dums. Here I gave, here I made five dum-dums more. Isaac, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And I also have, who had received two dum-dums came forward saying, Master, you delivered me two dum-dums. Here I've made two dum-dums more. Oh, Miriam, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. I also have received the one dum-dum came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scatter no seed. So I was afraid and I hid your dum-dum in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But I, the master, answered her, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my precious, valuable dum-dum with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the dum-dum from her and give it to the servant who has the 10 dum-dums. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. you so much, kiddos. That was wonderful. It's so good to hear uh, God's words spoken by children. It's so good to see uh, the things acted out. Sometimes we, we know our bodies have to get involved and we have to see it. Uh, God knows that and he gives us wonderful pictures uh, like we just saw. So uh, I want to say thank you to you guys for doing that. So we're talking about a generous master today. So, COVID-19 is not too far behind us, and some of you are already starting to twitch, maybe a little bit. And I saw, like, most of Connect in the front row were like, why is there toilet paper in the front row? That's awesome. Uh, so, in COVID-19, if you're too young, maybe you don't remember this, but if you were uh, old enough to know what was going on, if you saw this in your bathroom, you started to panic. 
because you were not sure that you were going to get any more. You didn't know if you're going to have enough. You didn't know if you could buy enough. You saw the newsreels with people like, hey, Johnny, go, go get the toilet paper out of there. Get a shopping cart. And, you know, you try to be all sneaky and things would happen and there was a scarcity of toilet paper. And what did it lead to? A fear, panic, among other things going on in the world, of course, but fear and panic and the self-protection. I need to take care of me, myself, and I, and I'm going to take care of my family and no one else. In fact, I'm going to steal a toilet paper out of your shopping cart. <laughs> right? And that may be more or less true, depending on uh, how, you, how you rolled. Ha, get it upon. Um, I didn't even mean that. I was on the spot. I'm, I'm getting the brain is starting to come back online after moving. Um, so, yeah, this uh, soft, cottony gold uh, was uh, something that was scarce. However, nowadays, now we have perfect abundance of toilet paper. We don't have to worry about it. Uh, in the first service, I tossed it to my daughter, and she tossed it back, and we almost lost communion and set the building on fire. Um, so I'm not going to do that again. But we could toss it around, and I'm blinded by the lights, but maybe I'll catch it. And there's no problem. I could toss it around. but not going to TP the church. Not a good idea. That is wasteful. Uh, but... There's no problem. I can be confident and free with the toilet paper. I don't have to worry about it. I know that I can go to the store and get more. I can get enough for my family, and I can share some if you need some. So if you need some, you can help yourself. But you see, really it comes down to how did we view the toilet paper companies, Scott, Cottonelle, and whatever else. They weren't enough. They were lacking in their resources. They couldn't get it out fast enough. And the stores had all these rules, much like uh, Pastor Brian's uh, note in the dum-dum bin, where it's only take one. I was like, you can only have one four-pack. I remember walking into Aldi, and you get like a four-pack. I'm like, that'll last like two hours in my house. <laughs> what are you talking about? And they weren't ever concerned about everyone getting it and not getting into fistfights. But that all comes down to how do we view, under what lens do I view the stores? Do I view the uh, manufacturers? of the toilet paper. See, the same thing is true in how we view God, only on a much grander scale, of course. You know, Pastor Brian, he was talking about a few weeks ago, when we behold God, the glory of God, and we're changed from one degree of glory to another, you know, we're, we're changed. And he said, when you behold, it's not just seeing it and taking it in, that's part of it, but it's also then reflecting what it is that you're viewing. And so our view of God is very important. The first thing I thought as he was preaching was, well, what's my view of God? Because if I have a faulty view of God or a, a view of God that's not uh, truthful, then what I reflect is, might not be all that great. I might not be generous. And so as we uh, listened in our parable uh, this morning, again, great job there. Um, if you're uh, new to the Bible, a parable is just a story uh, that Jesus would tell that would illustrate a point or teach us something. And so Jesus is teaching us something here. The master in the story, of course, is uh, representing Jesus, and the servants are representing all of us and our different responses to the master, to Jesus. And I think what we all start with, we all come into this world from a scarcity mindset. In other words, we live from a place of scarcity because we view God that way. We, we view God as a God that maybe isn't enough. Maybe he's not quite good enough. Maybe 
he doesn't give me enough time. I, I, I have an agenda, God. I need to get stuff done. I have the things, I have my schoolwork, I have my sports I have to do, I have connect and journey and all this. And I have all these things. I have my uh, different clubs I'm part of and I have these different ministries. Lord, I don't have enough. I know I have enough. And so we start to hoard our time and we're driven by fear and self-protection. Or money, I, like, I'm a numbers guy. I, my like, love language is spreadsheets. It just is who I am. And so... You know, sometimes I, I look at the numbers and I'm like, oh, no, is, is it going to be enough? And uh, Pastor Nate reminded me a couple weeks ago, AC, you look at spreadsheets long enough, you're not going to find God there. <laughs> and I, was, I needed to hear that because that, that's where I tend to find myself in like the, the scarcity mindset. Is God really going to provide enough for my family? Is it going to happen? It could be anything. It could be your talents. It could be uh, just uh, your, um, your knowledge or your skills or anything like that that you have. If you come at it from a place of, I'm afraid I won't have enough, then I'm not going to give it to you because <laughs> I don't think God's actually going to give me enough. I'm going to be without. So the way, the big idea of this passage that I'm going to go off of today is that we live from abundance when we view God that way. On our own, maybe we can try to be generous and muscle it for a little bit. And, you know, your mom and dad tell you you should give, you know, $1 out of the $10 you made to the church and wherever else. And you do it. Okay, fine. That'll last only so long. But when we view God as a God of abundance, that he actually loves us. He actually is able to take care of us. The Bible says he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. <laughs> then we will start to live that way. So let's look at these servants. The first two servants, they had an idea. They were able to live and invest their talents from a place of freedom and confidence. They were able to run right up to, to Bill and get the dum-dums and it's all good. You see, they viewed God as abundant. I want to point out three things here real quick. One, in kindness. Because you look at the response of the master, right? He said, well done, good and faithful servant. Look, talk about encouragement. I can just picture the big smile on the master's face. Like, yes, you are my servant. I love you. And he says, I've set you over a little bit, and you are faithful. So I want to set you over much. Now, the dum-dum and the talent in the Bible have slightly different values. Uh, people disagree on the exact numbers, but let's just say for argument's sake that a, one talent would be a million dollars. About 20, 15 to 20 years of wages for a laborer. A lot of money here. And so when the master said, I set you over a little bit, he's like, yeah, that five to one million dollars, that's like chump change. That's like the pennies in my console that I kind of just throw out and get gum stuck on it. You were faithful with that little bit, I'm going to set you over much. You're faithful in that schoolwork that I've called you to do, or to that, the faithfulness to that team and run hard and play hard and be my light on that sports team. That little thing or your job, that, that thing that seems like so much, I'm going I'm to set you up over even more because I am able to do that. I'm able to take care of every one of your needs. And then he says, enter into the joy of your master. God is abundant in joy. He wants you to be abundantly joyful. And that's not just a fleeting happiness that like when you win Mario Kart. That's like, 
oh my goodness, even in the worst of times, the lights could go out, so to speak, and I know that I know that Jesus loves me. All that, when the servants viewed him that way, they were free. They were free. They'd be like, hey, you need some toilet paper? Let's do this. Hey, yeah, I got some for you. <laughs> I have what mikasa sukasa, right? It's mine is yours. But that third servant, goodness, he came from a place of scarcity, and he was living from a place of scarcity because he viewed the master as a god of scarcity. He's not, you're a harsh man. You're kind of a jerk, really. Or like that playground bully. I was the one who generally got bullied, so I know very full well what it is to be bullied. You're kind of mean, and you scatter where you didn't even gather. I'm sorry, you gather where you didn't even scatter any seeds. You reap where you didn't even sow. Like You are kind of limited in your resources. You're kind of a cheapskate. Kind of a jerk. So, so what would he say? I was afraid. I became afraid. And I buried your talent. I took matters into my own hands. I hoarded it. I held on to it. Because I don't really think you care about my well-being. I don't really think that even if you did, that it's really going to be relevant or helpful to me. You're kind of like a Hallmark greeting card. You say nice things, and, you, and it's nice, but you can't really help me. Or you're kind of like a bully. Therefore, I am afraid. And I live out of that place. So what I want to leave you with, I want to leave you with a kind of a, a big thought. And then I'll have a few comments on it. It's, very, it's not very uh, profound in one sense. It's very simple. But I think it, this is something that takes practice and time as the Holy Spirit grows us. Focus on the abundance of Jesus. Super simple. Focus on the abundance of Jesus. So I would even encourage you to like, maybe take a moment and quiet your heart and close your eyes a little bit. I know maybe you have to keep one eye open perhaps if you have uh, little ones that are getting antsy. But just consider, how do I view God? And not the church answer. We all know the right answers. But not, not the church answer. The, the, the real answer that's in your heart. And maybe if you're not even really sure where to begin thinking about that, consider where do I live? Let's work backwards. Where do I live from a place of scarcity? Where am I, as, um, as Kevin was leading, uh, he said, to, like, picture your hands closed. Where are you living like that? Where am I living like that? And that's probably where you're viewing God as a God of scarcity. And the one thing you can do, you can ask the Holy Spirit to point that out. If you're not sure, sometimes there's like too many things going on. So, Lord, please show me. As uh, in one of the Psalms, King David wrote this, Search me, O God, know my heart, try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I promise you, he will answer. <laughs> if we have ears to hear and eyes to see. And it's not always easy to get there, but it's always good. So talk to the Lord about that. Consider your own heart. And then the other piece of that is to look at a spot in that life where you're looking and consider gratitude. 
Because gratitude says, okay, if I, for, let's take time, for example. I, I'm, 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 uh, I'm not really sure that I trust God with my time. I don't have enough. He only gave me 24 hours. So the, my prayer, and this, this is another thing. I, gosh, I feel like every time I prepare for a sermon, the Lord's like, here's 17 things you need to grow in. Oh, oh Jesus. <laughs> But several times in my life, I've had to have that conversation with the Lord. You know what he said? A lot of the things that you are spending your time on, I haven't called you to do anymore. And here I am thinking that I had to do all the things. And God's like, no, 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 no. I've given you enough time for the things I'm actually calling you to do. And so I begin to thank God for my time. God, thank you for the time I have. Thank you for this hour I have for this meeting. Thank you for this individual I get to meet with or this um, time of silence I get to take with you and, and really be thankful about the minutes and the moments. And goodness, wouldn't you know that things started to change in my heart? The Holy Spirit was tilling up the soil of my heart that had become so hardened. A, uh, one of my professors at college he has a blog uh, and he wrote this in the article called Three Different Kinds of Prayer to Fight Anxiety. It's uh, Dr. Neely. Very simple. He said, in giving God thanks, we are already moving out of the dark forest of worry and into the meadow of peace. And all of this, all of this would not be possible, and I love that they already alluded to it with, with communion being a feast of abundance. All of what we just said Everything in this gathering is all for naught if that didn't point to something true. Like we're wasting our time <laughs> if, if Jesus didn't literally pay a cosmically high price to rescue us and give us everything we need for life and godliness. We do not much do anything that we need so that we can be faithful with what he's given us if he was able to do and willing to do that for the joy set before him. To be your nothing else. Focus on Jesus, the one who literally gave you and I everything. Let that be your anthem as you leave today. Let's pray. God is a generous master, abundant in all things. Thank you, Asa, for leading us into that. Just want to lead you in a brief exercise and then declare a good word over you. As you come to the abundant nature of God, there's maybe some of you like me who are coming and saying, I know I need more of that. I, I know that I'm trying way too often to survive on my own. If that's where you're at, I'm just going to ask you to, in a simple act, just put your hands out in front of you. And I just want to lead you in a simple prayer. You can uh, just agree with me in prayer as we uh, receive from him. Lord Jesus, we know that you are the author of all things, and we know that you are abundant in all things good. And so as we come to you, we recognize that far too often we try to, with our meager strength and ability, do it on our own. And God, we set that aside. We turn from it. And instead, Jesus, we seek to receive the fullness of what you have for us. And so, God, would you, even right now, fill us up with your spirit, empower us for the days and the weeks and the months that lie ahead. Give us what we need that comes from you, not from us. 
God, save us from the temptation to take our little bit and try to control it and do what we're capable of doing in our own strength. Instead, God, we release us and receive you. And so, God, fill us up by your spirit. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. And now, people of God, receive these words from the Apostle Paul as he finished this incredible treatise at the beginning of the book of Romans on the abundant grace of God. The overflow of his heart becomes the overflow of our heart as we go from here. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Go in the grace and peace of Jesus. Have a great week.